You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Aubrey Nichols. She is a self-love advocate. She is a facilitator. She is a writer. We're going to talk to her a little bit about the work that she does with leaders, with organizations, really helping them focus on creativity, focus on really kind of taking care of their organization so their people can do their best work. I think it's a really important topic. Clearly, we're in the middle of COVID right now. Obviously, this applies at all times, but particularly poignant given that we have a lot going on in the world. And I think a lot of things that are affecting people's ability to show up 100% who they are and really bring to the table you know, all their powers and all their capabilities, which is key for any surface organization. So I'm excited for this conversation. With that, Aubrey, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Let's do a little bit of background first before we kind of dig into the topics. Give us a little bit of professional background. Like, How did you get into the work that you're doing? What was the story? Give us some perspective. Well, I was told at a very young age that I was a, an amazing storyteller. Mm. <laughs> so I took that information and um, I went to advertising agencies where essentially you can get paid a lot of money to run around acting like a, a little kid. Um, <laughs> and wearing Converse to the office has always been something that I felt very comfortable doing. It's where I felt like I was myself. So I spent 15 years in ad agencies in New York City as a strategist, helping develop the flight plan, if you will, for creative teams Mm -hmm. and also tapping in to consumer insights. So going out, doing tons of research, figuring out why people do the things they do, what makes them tick, and essentially, like, ultimately, why do they buy the things they buy? Yeah, working on brands like Saab, Johnson & Johnson, a lot of financial services company. Yeah, so that's sort of the background mm-hmm. of where what started me getting the work, doing the work that I do. And then I was working on Colgate, running their US portfolio. And I just had like, was working with my creative teams and they were so beat down. Yeah. And I just started to really focus on less about the strategy work and the creative product, but more around the process. And that was getting the product completed. And I started to be more process oriented. So from there, I got interested in organizational change and company dynamics. And I went back and I got a master's in organizational change and leadership development. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. And kind of tell us what you're focused on now. I mean, I know there's a couple of different facets, both, you know, kind of topically as well as the programs and how you actually kind of work with companies. But give us kind of where have you landed now or what are you focusing on these days? I guess one thing I missed um, in that sort of going back sure. to, to get the um, the degree yeah. was really what I noticed with my teams and ad agencies and I guess idea businesses in general, creative organizations, is that they, there's this like make a freaking idea now. 
Oh, you know, <laughs> come on, where and is get it? it to me, yeah, and get it to me by 5 p.m. <laughs> and, uh, and ostensibly, you know, me as a writer, my teams are no different than like Salvador Dali or Leonardo yeah. da Vinci, da Vinci mm. but we put them in these cubicles and we ask them to create on demand. And then, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I wish creativity worked like that, but it actually doesn't. So a relaxed mind is a creative mind. So my thought in getting this degree and understanding really like the how of creative process and creative organizations was to really nurture the environment which we create in. I'm kind of curious. I mean, just because I think that there's a lot of stereotypes, stereotypical kind of thinking around, you know, kind of the creativity and, uh, and, and maybe this is just kind of the movies and TV that portray it this way, but just kind of this frothy, like excited, you know, teams around the room and brainstorming and throwing ideas and that there, there's an intensity, almost a pressure, like the pressure creates ideas around that versus there's this other thing, which is, yeah, you know what, it takes time and there's incubation and there's there's kind of subconscious work that has to happen to get there. I mean, how do you, is this, depending on the type of creativity or the things you're trying to create or the team you're trying to work with or the nature of the individual, that it varies? Or is that really just a misnomer in terms of how people or at least one portrayal of the creative process versus a much more, you know, thoughtful, you know, creating unstressed situation and unstressed mind to be creative? What's your take on that? Well, there's a great book called Creativity Inc. And Brene Brown actually worked with Pixar. And there's definitely a creative tension needed for an amazing creative idea. So tension is absolutely needed. It's needed in my process. It's needed in, you know, in group dynamics. It's part of that, like, Foreman, Storman, Norman, Performin. You need Mm -hmm. that Storman part for really to create something like amazing. And if you don't have it, then you're going to get like a $25 idea. Right. But we're Mm -hmm. in the business of like million billion dollar ideas. So, but there's what there's, what there is lacking. And I think this is probably in all organizations is time for a reflection, not even in organizations and our, in our world, in our world society. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of, there's so much, focus on output and there's not enough focus on process and there's not a lot. So therefore there's not a lot of time yeah. allowed for processing, marinating reflection. And, you know, and if you sort of ship it to the client too early, you're, you're robbing yourself of some really great ideas because great ideas take time yeah. and they take walks and they take, being away from your desk. I mean, you know, they our mutual friend Phyllis. She says, yeah. like, what happens before a great idea? Do you know? Yeah. I don't know. I Absolutely don't nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing is happening when a great idea comes. It is yeah. like you are just walking along and you're like, oh, there it is. Yeah. But it's like, um, you know, you need a, enough of that, like inputs and outputs and talking it out. And, you know, that's something I've really, you know, that's what I, why I'm doing the work now sort of in this COVID situation, because, you know, our creative organizations and in creative people in those mm-hmm. organizations don't have their usual inputs and outputs and which is a problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone's patterns or, you know, kind of habits and everything are disrupted. And, and a lot of those are, are things people have leaned on to, to do the work they do. And when they have to rethink them or when they don't have them and they haven't rethought them, it's can be, it can leave them troubled state. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And I just, even how we were just talking about offline about, you know, you traveling for the first time and like going to the, you know, the hotels or the hotel bars. And so none of that is open, at least for me, like traveling used to be like, like an idea machine, you know, as soon as I get in the cab on the way to the airport, it's like all of those, like those ideas or problems I've been death gripping, everything starts to like come alive and just mm-hmm. answer itself. And yeah, so it's this new world. It's And so I guess what I'm working on is how do I enable that sense or empower creative teams with that sense of novelty and inspiration as they're working from home? Yeah, and how do you do that? I mean, what have you been finding in terms of the, the real challenges these teams are having, these individuals are having, and, and what are some of the, I guess, you know, techniques, thinking, strategies that you find are working with some of these folks actually help them in this situation? Well, I, I think what I, you know, as we're all going through this together, um, I don't think anyone has a lock on it. But because I don't, I'm sort of am single and I can go where I want, when I want and sleep mm-hmm. till whatever you know, I can sleep till 10, I can sleep till six, but I am the master of my domain, like a hundred percent. I, you know, I was able to like get out to Joshua tree, you know, I'm able to get in my car and drive, you know, 50 miles to a different Costco or a different Trader Joe's. And I just started to notice how that those little turns and the break in the sort of same, same was helpful. And I'm like, and I think people have not been able to even think like that. Like, Hey, you know, I'm just going to go to the same grocery store. I'm going to go to this, you know, the same park. And even those little breaks in routine would be like a game changer. I mean, to their mm-hmm. idea, to their thinking, but um, it's unfortunately, you know, when you have kids, when you just get mm-hmm. in these routine, you don't, th- you're not thinking like that. So, you know, my, what I would love to do is I think of myself as like a creative catalyst, you know, to go into organizations virtually and to help them um, really go from, you know, get unstuck yeah, and yeah. get unstuck and, and to realize when they're stuck and then to empower them with tools um, that I've used during this time to help myself get unstuck. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm just thinking about some of my own experiences in, in COVID and, and a couple of things I did, I didn't, maybe I didn't appreciate it as why I was doing it around this because I think it relates. I, I was doing things like um, I switched my Zoom setting to not mirror the image so you know in in zoom it flips it because it it wants you to look it wants to look like a mirror for you but if you unflip it like you all of a sudden you become much more aware or or gives you a different kind of perspective on things i don't know how to explain Mm. it but i was doing things like that because i needed to like shake myself up a little bit and like force myself to think a little bit differently (laughs) because i found it was such a routine like i was just doing zoom call after i mean there were days i would do 20 zoom calls in a day right just because of the nature of work i do and all these meetings and like i do all these little interviews and stuff and i found that i needed to change something about that context because it was just becoming such a rut and i think it was because of that because I needed a certain amount of change and and just kind of shaking me up in terms of how I was thinking approaching things. Yeah, and I mean definitely. And so you had an insight, you a little like insight fairy who gave you that inspiration to do something like that. And mm-hmm. I don't think that most people do. Yeah. You know, especially our mothers with who are like also working with all of their kids oh and gosh, I yeah. mean bearing most of the brunt of the housework and all of those things. I think yeah. And I think employers, I believe that employers 
really have an opportunity. Like I think culture developing a culture um, where people wanted to be and wanted to work used to be sort of a optional thing. You know, company culture was important to you. You know, you want to be one of the best places to work. Then that was something that you did. And if you didn't, you didn't. Right. But I, I think right now employers have a responsibility to help their employees because people are, are not okay. You know, I mean, they, yeah. I mean, this is going to be the most psychologically devastating time of our, of anyone's lifetime, just because these existential unknowns and that are still, you know, we still don't know what's happening. Is it summertime, the wintertime or wear a mask or not wearing a mask? We t- <laughs> oh yeah. And it's more is going to happen, right? We're not done with this. So, right, right, right. So, I mean, I know we want to keep it evergreen, but I think it's a really an opportunity yeah for employers to step, I mean, and specifically HR people to really step up and take care of their people because we are all in this together. Yeah. I guess, what does that look like for you? I mean, I I, I get, I mean, I think everyone kind of, there's initial push, right? Everyone's like, oh, we have to take care of our people. We have to make sure they're okay. I mean, there was kind of like this physical, almost safety focus in the very beginning. But then Mm -hmm. honestly, I think it kind of waned. And A, I think it kind of waned. And B, I think people were very focused on the physical safety and not so much on kind of the psychological, the creative, that like, what else do we need to do to really support our people so they can really bring their best, their best selves to the table? And so, and I think a lot of, because employers kind of get stuck, they get really run out of ideas. They really don't understand, like, what are some things that you think they should think about or or things that you could suggest to them that would get them actually addressing some of this, this deeper, more systemic issues around more of the psychological side? So I, yeah, I mean, that's where I guess I'm developing a program called Mm -hmm. Stoked to help people go from stuck to stoked. And so it's a six weeks program. and, And this is my take on what would help, right? And it's not only creative people, but it's anybody who wants to prime their idea for idea generation and productivity. So first of all, you know, the first couple of weeks are about like illuminating, really stating the obvious. What the heck's going on? I've been locked in my house for six months. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I, you know, there's no live music going on. It really just giving light to the struggles, the obstacles, creating space for those emotions. And mm-hmm. because, you know, right now where we are in time, people are like onto the election, but it's like, we really need to continue to state the obvious that we are in a global pandemic and this is really tough. And mm-hmm. some days it's not, but some yeah. days it is. So that's the first part, illuminate. And then the second part is all about navigate, right? Empowering people with tools like to help them channel some of the emotions to clear blocks. So, you know, for me, like breath work, yoga nidra, getting Mm -hmm. good sleep. There's also journaling. That's really powerful. Separating you from the thoughts that are running around in your head Mm -hmm. to know because those thoughts create emotions, which create your behaviors. And then you've got a whole life based on these thoughts you're thinking. So you want to make sure that these thoughts are positive (laughs) and, you know, and, and championing yourself. So that's the second part is to really navigate and empower the employees with tools. And then once we've sort of like created a space where we can talk about our emotions and we're clearing the blocks and we feel like, okay, we can do this. Then we go to the third stage, which is elevate. So this is all around 
priming the mindset for idea generation. So I know we're working from home, but how do we inspire ourselves? You know, how do we change our state? How do we get to those great ideas like we did when we had all our our worldly inspiration tools at our fingertips? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like using like modalities like improv or, you know, new ways of brainstorming um, and yeah, so I, I'm really excited about this and yeah. being able to give people a new way to think uh, about the work that they're doing and maybe be excited about it again. Yeah. So I'm curious on the illumination side. I mean, what, how, how do you, I guess, what's the process you use or, or how do you suggest people get in touch with that? Because I think there's a lot of, uh, I think in a lot of cases, people still have a lot of fear, uncertainty, you know, challenge with that. It, and it could be, how do I say this? I, th- I think a lot of people have, their strategy has been to avoid that, <laughs> right, to get through this. And, yeah. and going through that process could be, you know, could be a little unsettling. If you really sit down and really kind of illuminate all the things that are going on, you could be kind of left in this, damn, this is not easy. Like there's a lot of, lot of stuff going on in the world. There's a lot of stuff probably going on for people personally. I mean, I, I, mean, I have a, a wife and a two-year-old that all of a sudden we're at home all day and I generally work at home. And and that was a challenge. <laughs> you know, we did really well, but there was there were some moments that you had to take some deep breaths and figure out, take a step back and say, okay, well, we're all stressed out here. This is all hard. We're going to have to figure out some kind of new solution. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm I think that probably people there's some avoidance there. How, how do you deal with that? So I would like to say I am curating a group of practitioners to help facilitate that process, you know, and specifically a psychologist to come in who deals with like triggers and trauma Mm -hmm. and to really facilitate that conversation. There's a great group that I've partnered with called every man, which deals with, yeah, deals with um, men's emotional wellness. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause you know, having women specific groups or or mom specific groups. So, I mean, obviously safety is like the number one thing that you have to do. And what I'm, really doing from my end as like the curator and someone who understands self-care and the drivers in these organizations and, and the people that inhabit them is really like bringing a program to people virtually that feels very safe. It's yeah. not going to be like a grainy Zoom situation. <laughs> it's going to be like, it's going to feel intimate. It's going to feel nurturing and safe. And, you know, in meeting people where they're at, there's going to be smaller breakout groups versus the larger ones. But everyone can handle these sorts of things at their at their own speed, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. It's probably, it's one of the biggest conversations I had with the leaders, you know, mostly CEOs that I work with is, when we were talking about like how to approach some of this stuff, one of the things that I found myself kind of advising a lot of is the first thing you have to do is check in with your people and see where they are. Because if you mm. launch into, you know, if you sit down in a meeting or you get on Zoom and you start working with your leadership team and start talking about all the things you need to do and action plans and strategy and what's this, what's that, and you don't take the time to really see where each individual is and where the differences are, things are just going to wash over them. They're not going to appreciate it. And so doing that kind of individual check-in, that sincere check-in with folks and sort of see where are they in terms of safety, where are they in terms of their home environment, where are they in terms of their own self-care and, you know, both physical and emotional, you know, is it was certainly in the early stages of this was kind of job number one because I saw a lot of CEOs just kind of launching into business and strategy and 
their teams were just all over the place and they needed to kind of take a step back and really really focus on and see where the where that common or where that floor was and then start working on leveling that floor up so they could start with higher level issues but it's it's just so easy to launch into what are we going to do rather than really kind of understanding where people are yeah i think that's so true i mean it's wonderful for someone who's doing the work that i'm doing and that you're doing and you know the foundational belief that I have. It's like, we don't check our personal selves at the door and yeah. nor have we ever. Yeah. And then, you know, we're not human doings, we're human beings. <laughs> and so I would say yeah. that checking in with your people, even though we're six months into this and yeah. the world is opening up, I'd say it's still important because yeah. I mean, you know, people are afraid to like integrate back into life. So yeah, I think that it's going to be, you know, being a leader has its a new set of challenges. Yeah. They've got to show up as a human first. Yeah. But it, do you give any, I'm assuming that the leader, a leader of an organization or the leaders of an organization are, are doing reasonably well. What are the things that you suggest they do? Because I just find that if people end up kind of making decisions based on their position, not other people's positions, what are some of the things they can do to kind of broaden their awareness, broaden their perspective on some of these issues so they have a better sense of really what's going on in the organization rather than just kind of assuming that, well, I'm doing okay, so everyone else must be doing okay. How can they kind of get in touch with this process? I mean, is it just is it just kind of talking with people? Are there other things that they can do to kind of gather data or gather insights? around where the kind of the emotional state of their organization is? Um, yeah, I imagine you would just want to have people on the ground, right? You would have your sort of, there's those people that you see like in, in the kitchen, at the water cooler, who mm-hmm. always know what's going on. Those people have them virtually relay to you how people are doing. You know, I guess that that's your talent in, in HR group as well is yeah. to really be... I mean, they have just a bigger job than they used to. Oh, huge. Yeah. yeah. And I've, I've seen them having to flex in all sorts of ways. They Some of these folks have never had to go through something like this before. I mean, I, I uh-uh. talked to a lot of folks in the New York area that went through 9-11 and went through Sandy and you know have gone through sort of catastrophic events and have had their organizations you know severely impacted and have to recover. It's interesting. The big difference is that... Those were like events that happened and the main conversation is recovery versus, Mm -hmm. you know, here this like at some level, you know, we're still in the event or potentially even, you know, other events are still coming. Like we're not done. And so we can't even say, all right, well, at least it's behind us and we can just focus on what, how do we recover? It's kind of like this is still what do we do now that we're in it or how do we continue to get through it? And yeah, I think a lot of HR folks are just, they're having to do things they haven't had to do before or didn't even think they might have to do ever. So it's, it's a big challenge. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think, you know, like any good leader, I think it's just leading with empathy, leading with vulnerability. And it's, yeah. you know, you don't want to be so vulnerable that people can like see through you. But I think if, you know, there's something to be said about having a CEO show up like in his t-shirt because he just worked out or having his cat jump across the the <laughs> Zoom screen. I mean, there's something very, I've found that that's seeing the fabric of people's lives that way has been so comforting, right? Yeah. Because this is a, such a leveler. No one is above or below this. Yeah. And um, so just continuing to, show up as a human being, I think is, is just, is number one, but also giving your teams and employees and 
the sense that they're in good hands and that they're being held, you know, and, and it also in some t- the way that you do that, I think was really was straight talk, you know, yeah. Yeah. meaning like, Oh, I'm going to communicate to you over and over again. Even if that, the, you know, the takeaway from that communication is, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah this, and I, uh, one of the general practices I suggest, but certainly, you know, when we were kind of going through all this was, uh, you know, the regular communication from the CEO. And I, I said, like, it's not about, I mean, it's about what you say, but it's, it's the most important thing is being super consistent on the delivery of that message. E- even if it's, I don't have any new information or I don't have anything really new to say, it's just, I've made a promise to send out an email or a communicator, do a Zoom or a video or something, you know, once a day or once a week or on a scheduled time and delivering on that on a consistent, regular basis will build trust and stability for your people. Even if the message content, you know, may not be new or maybe that's the same old thing, just hearing that message, knowing that knowing that it's coming through, having it come through, being able to rely upon that is a huge as a huge value to put in place. A hundred percent. Yeah. So you also mentioned. I, I realized that was. I generally take one day off a week and spend it with our two year old. And uh, when all the craziness was happening, obviously it was, it was hard to manage my schedule. I was having to do calls, you know, on those days, and it really. At some point, I realized it's like it's totally cool, right? Like, and I, you know, he was just running around, and he would come on the Zoom call, and he would say hi. <laughs> like, he just became mm. like part of the program. And it, and I think one, I realized in the beginning, I was trying to maintain some appearance or something, mm-hmm. where I like, like I had done things a certain way, and I I try to present myself in a certain way, and. In the beginning, I was really struggling with dealing with the fact I couldn't do that or it was like this was not the usual way I'm doing things. And then mm. I had to just kind of embrace it. And then actually embracing it actually helped me connect with people better in the work mm-hmm. that I was doing. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, it would lead to conversations or like, yeah, they're dealing with the same thing or they had another thing that they're dealing with or, you know, like we became more human somehow, which I think was a really interesting kind of result of that. And I've, and I've seen obviously kind of play out in lots of different ways. People having all these memes and everything about, you know, the, the Zoom meetings and things that are happening in the background and uh, kids running around. But it's it's interesting to see kind of that change. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty beautiful the way it's like broken us all apart in a way. Yeah. 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 So tell us more about Stoke. If people are kind of interested in it, who, who typically are you working with in this program? Who's like a good candidate? Like walk us through a little bit more of how the how things work tell us uh, tell us more details well i would say that any or you know i'm really targeting hr talent people that want to take care of their employees maybe they don't know how but they um you know we also have layoffs going on like right and left furloughs yeah. it's just t- any any like ceo or leader that wants to take care of their teams to help their teams get unstuck reduce stress and anxiety, increase productivity, maybe create a space to process and channel their emotions. They're not the person to do it, but they know that it needs to be done. Maybe they want to like help their teams get their creative and productive mojo back. Maybe mm-hmm. they want to get their, you know, their yeah, creative exactly. and productive <laughs> mojo, mojo back. You know, it's just really creating this space to say like, Hey, we know everything's not normal and not okay, but here's some tools. Here's a um, a container that's going to help you sort through it all. Yeah. No, excellent. And if people want to find out more information, where do they go? You can go to my website, which is Aubrey Nichols, A-U-B-R-E-E Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S.com. And there's a tab that says stoked and contact 
you can contact me with any questions, set up a conversation in real life. We can talk through any concerns or questions. Yeah, but it's really exciting. I'm looking forward to um, talking about the results. Yeah, no, I love the content you put together and, and the conversation around this. I will make sure that the links are in the show notes here so people can click through and get that information. And this has been a pleasure, Aubrey. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Oh, yeah, it's such a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.